Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome to the Super Talk Eagle Hour, everybody. Glad you're with us on a Monday afternoon. This is Bob Getty and Kelly Sander. We're in the Southern Bank Core Studio here in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson at the Southern Bank Core Studio in Laurel. We're glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in, and we've got a lot of a lot of good stuff to talk about. What a great week for Southern Miss baseball. Golden Eagles back in the D1. Top 25 poll in at number 25 this morning, uh, 32 and 15 on the season, 17 and 7 uh, in the league, and an RPI at a very solid 23 as the Golden Eagles complete a sweep this weekend over over South Alabama. Man, that sounds so good to say the Golden Eagles complete a sweep over South Alabama with a school we have a, an awful lot of history with. Head baseball coach Scott Berry joins us right now on the Eagle Hour. And, Coach, uh, it has been really a good week, and it all started uh, back during the week uh, when you guys uh, had a really impressive win, I thought, over Tulane. Down early, but come back, big uh, grand slam home run, and uh, and the win, the uh, weeknight win over Tulane just sort of got everything off to a good start. Fair to say? Yeah, I did. You know, uh, of course, we'd had a, a really tough game against them the week prior at their place, but we're able to to salvage that and uh, and come out with a big win there late. But it carried over into Tuesday night, and you know, it was the first of four games that uh, we're we're going to talk about this week. And and that that day started off with us behind behind a run before we ever batted. Uh, you know, in three of the four games this week, we saw ourselves start off with giving up runs there in the first inning. So I really want to credit our offense and, and all those games of not taking long to get the momentum right back with us. And, and that happened on Tuesday with Tulane. They scored one in the top, and then we scored one there in the uh, in the bottom half of, of the first. But had Nico Maz on the mound, uh, did what we needed him to do, covering five in the third innings that day, getting us deep in there. Sibley covered three, and then, of course, Justin Storm, who's been – our guy that is, has been on the back end, there was no save opportunity for that situation. But still, it was one of those situations where we felt like we needed to keep that game right where it was and not give Tulane an opportunity to get themselves back in the game like we saw at their place a week earlier. Right. Those the midweek games important. Are you glad, Coach, that the midweeks are over? Would you prefer to maybe keep that rhythm going by playing a game in the midweek? Well, you know, where we are – where we are in our season right now, uh, honestly, we're in finals this week, so we can't play uh, on during finals week. Next week, I don't like to play on that shortened week, which is our 
the week before our uh, final series of the season, and that's always a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I don't really like to play a game in there. So, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, throughout the year, if we had a if we had a week where there was no midweek, then I really don't like that. I like to play. I like to keep our guys fresh. I like to keep the alive at bats going. Uh, I think it helps the hitters more than it does the pitchers. In all honesty, right. All right, so we move on to Friday night, and I know I sound sometimes like a broken record, but Tanner Hall was was just amazing. He uh, he limits uh, the Jaguars to uh, three hits, had two walks, nine strikeouts, uh, did not allow a hit after the second inning, and retired the last fourteen batters that he faced. Well, you know, there is no doubt that the, uh, the the biggest part of that game, I feel like point was in the first inning when they came out and got the first two runners on he's got second and third with nobody out and he's able to minimize with only giving up one run and it was a sacrifice fly and you know that's why he's a friday night pitcher he's able to to minimize he's able to get himself out of there with with minimum runs scored to give his team a chance to to not be too far down right off the bat and you know of course our guys responded uh in the bottom of the second with a run after they had gotten another one in the, in the in the top of the second, which I think was a home run that they hit. But after that point, it was lights out, man. I mean, it was uh, it was zeros from from that point out for Tanner Hall uh, with uh, with six of them, I believe it was that we got out of there. Right, coach. When he's when he's really in the zone and pitching like that, really, he's as good as anybody in the country. Is that fair to say? Yes, he's uh, he's really dominant. He's got great stuff. Obviously, he's highly competitive and confident, and his teammates have the feeling that when he has the ball, you got a good chance of winning. Right, no question. All right, on Saturday, Golden Eagles fall behind again early on, but just like you said, the bats come alive and uh, and do more than enough to win. And I thought a great a great outing by Billy Odom, six and a third innings. Uh, he gives up, uh, you know, he gives up four, three earned runs on six hits, two walks, and seven strikeouts. But he's hanging in there, coach, and giving you innings on Saturdays now. Well, he is. You know, it didn't start out good. I, I kind of, I think Oz and myself kind of was like, oh Lord, we're going to revisit um, Coastal Carolina on mm-hmm. that Saturday when, when Billy pitched, giving up those two two runs. And, and hey, credit South Alabama. I mean, they had a sense of urgency when that game started. Buddy, they were on fire. Right. And, uh, you know, whether it was against Tanner the night before or whether it was Billy in this situation, but, you know, he gives up two runs right off the bat. Uh, but then he was able to quiet the storm, gave up one more there in the, in the fourth inning. But it was our offense that there in the second and third inning that scored one in the second and two in the third to take the lead. And, uh, before, before they tied it up there in the fourth, but, and we answered quickly in the fifth, and, and we're able to get out of there with a 6-4 to four win. Right. Uh, Saturday team continues to play really well. Longest winning streak in the nation right now in Division One. Nico Mazza, big yesterday, five shutout uh, innings as a relief pitcher after starting Matt Adams. Uh, talk about Nico Mazza, but also, if you will, kind of update fans on what you think the progress is now on Matt Adams returning from injury, Coach. Really liked it yesterday. No pain again. Velocity is where it needs to be. Pitchability, you know, his numbers indicate he only gave up one run. It was a solo homer there uh, yesterday in the in the fourth inning before he gave way to to Adams, uh, Chase Adams. 
But, you know, Matt Adams, I really like the way that, that he went out and, and responded after a tough first outing back from his injury the, the week prior. So covered three and a third innings. We were, you know, we were just really hoping we could get three out of him, but his pitch count was where it needed to be. He had tremendous pitch ability and he was plus and minus their hitters. Uh, you know, he was getting, getting the outs that he needed to, to extend him into the fourth inning. But, you know, after, after that home run and a walk, we felt like it was, it was time to, to go to Chase Adams to face the two lefties. And, and the two freshmen comes in and gets a rollover ground ball after with a runner at first, inherits a runner at first, and then he gets a big strikeout right. to, to end that inning. So real proud of both those right. Adams boys. Before giving away to Nico, like you said, you know, Nico had pitched five and a third innings on Tuesday. But had plenty of rest, and actually said, you know, he was good to go on Saturday. Which, you know, you're always you're always appreciative that they're willing to do that. But you're also concerned sometimes they don't look from a safety standpoint like we do, mm-hmm. and guarding them from any kind of injury or bringing them back too quick. But certainly on Sunday we knew he was going to be available, and he was able to uh, to really go out there and, and compete. Gave us five clean innings, no runs. You know, only gave up four hits, nine strikeouts on three walks. And I think the biggest thing there, Bob, is that in the fifth and sixth inning, you know, he loaded the bases and those that inning those innings involved walks and and so he was able to pitch out of that, not giving anything. So those were huge momentum swings for the Golden Eagles of not letting uh, get on that board. I love Chase Adams. When he was fired up when you brought him in, he was fired up when he got the last out. He he just brought a lot of energy uh, when he came on the field. So so good for him. Minute left uh, in this segment, but I wanted to ask you to uh, to comment on Justin Storm. I, I think he's just he's just been wonderful as a closer here as of late. Guy, wish people could get to know him as a human being they would be more impressed. I know the ones that come and, and, and watch him when he performs and then those that watch him on TV only see the baseball side, but the the person that he is just – and you've had a chance to interview him. You've told right. me that. And right. The respect, how respectful he is and what he represents in our program outside the field in the community. He's our SAC leader. But, well, I'll tell you what, he's uh, he's he's become our guy that at the end of the game we're we're going to try to get the ball to him when it matters. Yeah, he's a he's a wonderful wonderful young man. But I got to tell you, Coach, uh, real quickly before we hit the break, he's re- he's representative of every kid on your team that I interview. I, I've I've well, never I've never interviewed one that wasn't that well. Well, and I appreciate that. That means more than than you know. That's certainly something that we try to instill in these. Young men, when they come in our program, we hope it carries with them when they leave. All right, the guy's going to get it here with Coach Scott Berry. Great week for Southern Miss baseball and a lot of excitement brewing as we head down the stretch here. We'll be right back. More Eagle Hour right after this.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're visiting with baseball coach Scott Berry, like we do every Monday. Want to get that music out of the way and get right back to it with coach. Coming off a four-game uh, a week where we win every game, longest winning streak in the nation right now at ten games, longest winning streak in Division One baseball. Golden Eagles right now really hitting on all cylinders. All right, Luke, I know there's lots of things to talk. Coach, back, fire away. Coach, um, over the weekend, it just becomes more and more apparent the bottom half of the lineup is really just come on. I mean, Peto's at 273, Monastere 321, Rodrigo at 349. Uh, Reese continues, you know, to, to be Reese. It, it just seems as if the more and more this offense gets cranked up, you've got really two sets of two, three, and four hitters in in the, the lineup. Well, you're right. Uh, you know, that lineup is starting to get its length that we need and, and certainly wish we'd had a long time ago There's because when you're only hitting at the top of the order, man, sometimes it's two, three innings before you get back around to those guys. And to give that lineup length uh, really creates a lot of havoc for that for that other side. And, you know, I've, I've felt all along that we have the pieces to really have a tough lineup to pitch to. So for whatever reason, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of gotten itself late in the year, but I'm not, I'm not one to question look back. That's in the past. Now we're in the present and that's where we need to stay. And these guys are really competing. And I like the attitude and the purpose that they have when they go to the plate, people say, what was the difference? I said, well, you know, we, we got punched in, in the mouth pretty good at, at coastal Carolina and on that Sunday, it was basically do or die. You're either going to lay there and let them kick you in the ribs or you're going to get up and do something about it. And, and that's just an illustration. You hope that kind of moves them in a direction, not that it not that it changes anything, but there is something to be said about that that parallels things in life that, you know, get you down. And you're either going to stay down or you're going to get up and do something about it. And from that point on, our guys have, have gotten up and, and learned from it. And I think that's probably the punch in the face, the kick in the ribs, whatever you want, that, that we needed at that time. You you talked about uh, Nico with with Bob last last segment, but it just seems as now, with, with no midweeks now, you've got a rotation, you've got a back end, and now with Mazza and Will Armistead, you have like guys in the middle that can chew up innings. Talk about Will uh, over the weekend. Golly, he has just developed. What a great story, you know. Cross Sibley was, to me, was the first half of the season was the story that, that was just great to, to listen to and, and read about. And now I think it's Will Armistead. And, you know, where Will at one time was a guy that uh, just wasn't consistent in, in what he was doing on the mound. And then he got his opportunity back-to-back, and I think that's the key, is being able to, to show back up and do the same thing you did and be successful to give your coaches, your your teammates that that vote of confidence to to rely on you. And I think where we are right now, it's 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 been it's been a tough year trying to figure out those pieces in the bullpen and who you who you feel good about because yeah. of the inconsistency. But I think that there's a there's a group of young men that have identified themselves as hey you can count on me, uh, and and that's who we're we're leaning on as as we run down this stretch. I'm going to hand it off to Kelly, but I had a listener just kind of ask me earlier today, just wanted an update on Chandler Chandler Best, how his uh, rehab's going. Going great. I mean, really good. He's he's in his throwing program right now, feels very good, is strong, is, is getting his work in and the, on the strength and conditioning side with Coach Makovica. 
You know, Sam Pearson is, is our trainer. He's been throwing with him, making sure that we're doing the, the throwing program protocol that, that he needs. So he's well on his way to recovery and looking forward to, to him rejoining us next year on that staff as, as a piece of that, of, of that staff that goes out and helps us win. Coach Barry, earlier in the year, I had talked about how I had every every bit of confidence that your pitching staff was going to develop and uh, and be really good at the end of the year. And I know there was a lot of people had questions, including including yourself. You know, you you, you challenged these young men to to prove it to you. Now that we are toward the end of the year, give us a, an A through an F on a report card as to overall how you think this pitching staff has developed now this late in the year. The progress report. Well, I think I think you're you're looking now at above average from where we've been, and I, and I say that in the mere fact that there's been there has now become that separation of of those guys, honestly, that you count on to go out there and and get the job done, what you ask them to do, and you know everybody wants to be out there. I was just telling somebody today that um, I think John Cox was interviewing me for a podcast and. We were talking about lineup. There hadn't been much change in the lineup with the position players. Well, if you have a really good team, then there shouldn't be much change. There should be those guys that separate themselves from the other. Everybody wants depth, quality depth, but there has to be that 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 lineup that goes out there every day that you know and everybody knows that these are the best guys that give you a chance. If you're always – playing other people trying to find a lineup and you've got problems and it's the same way with the pitching staff if you're always searching for that that guy who's going to show up and give it to you then then you don't have that 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 model of consistency that you need to be successful but i feel like you know at this point we do we we've got that on the on the pitching side we've got that on the hitting side but it's been a work in, in progress you know throughout the year to find that I want the 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 way that Monastere is playing too. Obviously, he came with great credentials, but did even you see that that he's developing as as quickly at this level, and that the game uh, that he's adjusting to this the speed of this game as quickly as he has? No, I didn't see it. I don't think any of us saw it, honestly. And we evaluate off the fall and the, the twenty twenty two scrimmages that we have, and certainly going into the spring, we met with Nick and told him that based on on our depth of our pitching staff and and you know he was a really good pitcher at northwest Rankin as well that we were probably going to lean on him more from the pitching side than the position player side but then it became that that position at second base that was just i kept searching and searching and i continued to watch him in bp uh and we and we wanted him taking ground balls we wanted him to keep hitting but we didn't want it to interfere with what we felt like he was going to be needed most of that and that was on the mound so uh but but i kept recognizing real kept recognizing his swings and his flat playing uh, approach and just everything and i you know i just made a decision on at old dominion just a gut feeling that hey i'm gonna give this kid a shot i mean he's i've been watching him he's been doing what you need to to do and and uh and he hadn't given me a reason to take him out no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, no. if you take him out for you. <laughs> no, don't, don't take him out, Coach, please. And my, People my, will be yelling at you like you yelled at that umpire yesterday, Coach. Yes, and young man, we need to talk about your behavior on the – no, no, I'm kidding. 
Um, my final question is, do, do you ever find yourself getting so engrossed with a performance that you almost check out as a coach and check in as a fan? And going back to Tanner Hall's performance, even at the youth level, yeah. when I've got Go a pitcher – when, it, when a pitcher is dealing, shoving, whatever yeah. you want to call it, yeah. even as a coach, I check out as a coach and I check yeah. in as a fan. I'm going, I want to watch this. You probably I, enjoy him some, don't you, Coach? Well, that's called coaching in a rocking chair, you know, yeah. and you just uh, – and when you have those kind of players that do that, then, man, I won't lie to you. Sure, you, you go – you gravitate to that fan side because you're getting entertained. Right. You know, yeah. and, and what's neat is is that – What's different than a, a true fan is is that you're with these kids every day at practice. You see how they prepare. You see how they go about their their off days, uh, what they put in to go out and entertain on those game days. And so, yeah, as a coach, you, you see that. You appreciate it much, much more because you know the work that they put in and, and, and how, how they just thrive to get in that game and go. It's and a thing of beauty when when Hall's in the zone. Man. Pitching is it's a craft. It's unbelievable. Pitching, yeah. I mean, pitching is a craft, man. And when somebody's dealing, it's you just want to sit watch. there. And, yeah, it is. All right, coach. We got about a minute left. I, I've got to ask you. I, I need a coach's perspective description of Danny Lynch coming up to the plate. His pre-pitch routine. Your thoughts about that, coach? Well, it's unique, obviously, uh, one that I've never really encountered in my coaching career. Um, I'm sure there's a mad madness to it somehow. Uh, I've tried to divert uh, anything that people might be associating it with. Uh, I've, I've had several people say they don't want their daughters to watch it, uh, watch him hit. But so I've diverted it into that, you know, uh, this goat yoga thing that has become popular. That. You know, I think he's uh, actually looking into uh, teaching goat yoga decks, uh, in his next career. So, leave it leave it to Danny to uh, to entertain. As we say, we are entertainers. Well, he certainly is an entertainer. You just have to draw your own conclusions on how he's entertaining you. We love us some Danny Lynch, you can, man. There's you a... can you can picture people googling as we speak goat yoga right now. Uh, I, I had a friend show me a text he sent Coach the other night, telling him how impressed he was to. Hear him say goat yoga on an interview. He had no idea what that meant. All right, <laughs> and Coach. I know who that friend was. I know who that friend was. <laughs> Always great having you on the show, Coach Perry. We thank the world of you. Uh, we thank well, you for thank your time, you. sir. Thank you, guys. Yes. All right. Coach Scott Perry, everybody, on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. All right, we want to thank head baseball coach Scott Berry. Always uh, look forward to our 30-minute conversations with him every Monday. Really do appreciate his time. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Core Studios in uh, Laurel and Hattiesburg, Dickey's Barbecue Pit, and Campus Bookmark. Sponsored those two segments with uh, head baseball coach Scott Berry. Dickey's, of course, a great place to take your family. 
for a wonderful meal. Campus Bookmark, the go-to place for Southern Miss Apparel. Really no other place on the planet. And this segment sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill, who we appreciate uh, very much. Uh, so Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Campus Bookmark, 4th Street Bar and Grill, people that we appreciate uh, for all they do for Southern Miss and, of course, for the Eagle Hour. All right, uh, guys. Um, Luke Johnson, 10 straight wins, uh, back in the top 25, number 25 in the D1 poll today. RPI hanging up there around 23. Right now the Golden Eagles are, are really on a, on a tear, playing very, very well. Am, am I overreacting when I, in the back of my mind, uh, kind of regret a little bit that they're not going to have any midweek games? I'm just hoping they don't lose that batting rhythm that they're in. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing on the offensive standpoint. You, you got guys that see the ball, and you look back at how hard that week was with the five games there, but I think it allowed us to see the offense where it is now. They just got more looks. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you, you're not going to be able to play a midweek this week, regardless, because of you know academic responsibilities. But it, it just kind of comes at a time where um, you know, you're in the top 25, uh, you've been hitting the ball really good, and you're back in the conversation, and you're playing the worst team in the Sun Belt this weekend. So it's like, yeah, yeah. You, know, you you gotta you gotta be able to carry some momentum, and and weeks like this, it's on the guys themselves to make time to do what they need to do in the classroom, and be ready for this weekend to continue the momentum. Yeah, well, you can. I mean, scheduling wise, if you do have to have a layoff and you're worried about it, at least you are playing ULM, right? Right. I mean. It would be a lot worse if Coastal was on the schedule, right, for this weekend. And and we mentioned at the beginning of the season when people were, you know, the chicken littles of the world were running around that the sky is falling. We talked, I don't know how many times about it. It doesn't matter how you start the season. It's how you end the season. And Coach Barry was kind of telling us off air in one of the commercial breaks, it's to the point now, at least right now at this moment as we speak, it's almost like all he has to do is fill out a lineup card. These guys are playing so well now, it's almost like the coaches feel like they're in the way, right? That they know what they're doing. They're playing well. As you mentioned, they have the nation's longest winning streak. This is the time that they're playing their best baseball, and that's when they're supposed to be playing their best baseball, and things are rocking and rolling right now. You, you talk about how the offense has improved and how – they're, they're feeling it. So right now, five guys over five or over three hundred. Dickerson at three thirty two, Wilkes at three nineteen, Etzel at three oh seven. Then you throw in Montenegro and Monastere, um, who haven't started as many games as those guys. But right now, Rodrigo's at three forty nine, Nick's at three twenty one, Peto now up at two seventy three, Ewing's at two sixty six, Lynch back up to to two fifty. Um, and and Sargent, I mean, you know, b- big hit yesterday. He's had some big hits over the weekend. He's you look at the two twenty three, but man, it's you you got to keep in mind where he was a month ago. Oh, he's hit the ball. I see who else is starting to really hit the ball is Peto, and uh, that just gives you just another shot of adrenaline. Because Luke, I I think it's fair to say he he may be the best athlete on the baseball team. Peto, yeah. I thought Danny Lynch was. I thought we had already established <laughs> well, that. Well, other than Danny Lynch. You know who I think might be the best a- athlete, pure athlete on the team, and you don't get to see it because he's in he's in the bullpen, is Cross Sively. That guy comes from a gymnastics background. 
Really? You, you cannot be- – that guy will do backflips. You can't believe how athletic really? that guy is, really? and, and he's a pitcher. Um, so athletically, cross-civilly is, is through the roof. But when you have the improvement on the offensive side of the ball and you have improvement on the pitching side, particularly in the bullpen – the way that so you've got both areas that were weaknesses earlier in the year much much better that are both better on both sides of the baseball this is why you've got a team now that's won 10 in a row yeah. you you've got guys that have the holes have been filled in so right. second base is answered not just from the glove side but from the bat side Monastere right now as i mentioned 321 Three home runs, 17 RBIs. He's got 16 runs, you know, and that's only in 18 starts. So that's filled. You've, you've got your rotation where you feel like it. And I actually like Oldham in Saturday now. Um, and, and with the pressure off Mazza to start, you've answered your middle relief with Armistead and Mazza. You've got your back end. Now, I, I will say this. I, I didn't, we didn't, we didn't have time to bring up to coach. Kind of, I've talked to some people as well outside the baseball program, just people that watch this team. Guys, it would be so good, I think, this weekend. And Kelly, you could probably speak this a little more. If we, if we're able to rest cross civilly this weekend, he just looks a little tired. And, and it's probably his first year of, of playing D1 baseball. He was used so much on the first half of the season. I think it would do him, him well. He got frustrated. When was that? Saturday. He was not getting anything on the black on the outside. And, you know, you saw it was a pretty class move by Sergeant and Lynch to go in there and just try to settle him down a little bit. But I don't, yeah, I don't, that's a guy, that's a guy we're going to need down the stretch. I just don't want him to, to be worn out going think, into tournament. I think you time. can rest him right now with the way Moss is coming in and, and providing relief. And if no other, if no other reason, then you have no midweek games this week. You have no midweek games, you know, next, next week. Now, when you take a look at Coastal schedule, Coastal, same thing, they've got two weekend series left in Sunbelt play, but they have three midweek games left. They play the Citadel and Clemson yeah. this week. Right. All right. And then, and then South Alabama. And, and We're all and, South Alabama fans this week. Right. And then they play North Carolina next week, midweek. Yeah. Well, good. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, must I not be a rule in South Carolina about midweeks and finals week because. Uh, They've got it the uh, the entire way. I don't want to let way. the segment go. We're talking about individual players, and there's there's a lot you can talk about. I think Montenegro has really stepped up and is really helping a lot behind the plate with his bat. I think he's been a I think he's been a really nice addition. As I said, uh, you know, uh, I, I've I've always uh, I've always uh, been a fan of reshewing, and I think reshewing is a tremendous talent. But I have come to the conclusion, and you know this kid far better than any of us, I have come to the conclusion that the young man that you see playing shortstop right now is the best shortstop I've seen the program have. And I don't think you can put a value on on Dustin Dickerson, uh, Luke, uh, in regard to – I don't think you can overvalue how important he is to this baseball team. His baseball IQ is out of the world. I mean, how many kids are you going to have who's – you will never have another kid again whose father is a top three defensive coach in, in professional baseball, period. That That is a consensus that Bobby Dickerson is one of the best. So IQ off the charts. He's leading your team with 332 average among you know a certain amount of starting games, and he's a defensive wizard. And, and, and I think it – but what he does is he becomes another coach. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's probably his 
his running partner out there, Monastere, it's it's probably been Dickerson that's helped Monastere adjust some. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think you can overestimate the, and I say this in a complimentary sense, the attitude Dustin Dickerson brings to the baseball field. He brings an in-your-face attitude that uh, that I think is important. And I also want to make this point and get both of your reactions. It may be a coincidence, but but it, it it appears to me that when these kids suffered that twenty to seven humiliation out at um, Coastal Carolina, instead of recalling like a lot of teams would do, it seems to me that it was like Mike Tyson says, you know, things change when you get hit in the face, and uh, and the way they've responded is by coming out the next day beating the team that beat them twenty to seven. And then beating Kelly Sander, everybody that gets in their way since then. Well, they're going to get another chance. They're going to. That's get who it's going to come down to, I believe. By, by all rights, it should. I, yeah. I tell you what, though, I'm not so convinced that Coastal's got the pitching to win a tournament. They, they got the hit. Shaky on their pitching. Yeah. They can. They can beat you. They can play Big Twelve football and beat you in overtime. And they know, can outscore you. you. Yes. They're, they're not going to be able to outpitch But I am you. concerned. You know, depending on who they get, and that's something we can talk about on the other side of the break when we kind of break down these. There is going to be a team with more than, I don't know, 23, 24 wins that will not make this tournament. There's going to be probably a team that is has a better than 500 record that will not make this tournament. And it's interesting that you bring that up, Luke, because as I'm sitting here looking at my numbers, and I know you're kind of our Eagle Hour numbers guy, you know, we were talking midway through the season that it looked like the Sun Belt might get as many as four teams. I'd, I'm not so sure about that now. And it's not it's not because of anything other than some of these – the Sun Belt has been so good at, at devouring each other that it may come down to two, maybe three. But right now, maybe three. Two for sure, maybe three. Two weeks to go. Lots of drama in the air, and this is we would have it no other way, right? We and, would have it no other way. And obviously, one of those two we're talking about are our beloved Eagles. No question. What a great week for baseball. All right, we'll be back. More to talk about. Stay with us. To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment of the Eagle Hour on this first day of the week. Monday, you know who brings it to you. Every day, D-Bat and D-1 Training. D-BatHattiesburg.com. Pro Shop. Excellent indoor facilities. 
batting cages, indoor running facility, get in the best shape of your life. Get great instruction, DBAT and D1 training in Hattiesburg. Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel Sunbelt baseball action over the weekend. James Madison sweeps Marshall up in West Virginia. Coastal Carolina almost lost the series to Appalachian State. Mountaineers helped the Eagles out and uh, took one, but uh, Coastal uh, wins yesterday and takes two out of three from Appalachian State. ODU in Jonesboro, Arkansas wins two out of three from Arkansas State. ULL, uh, Lafayette sweeps their counterpart. Monroe, over in Monroe, the Cajuns win three games. Troy uh, takes two or three at home um, from Georgia Southern. Texas State sweeps Georgia State in San Marcos. And, of course, the Golden Eagles pulled out those brooms on the South Alabama Jaguars. What that means is updated Sunbelt standings. Coastal and Southern Miss tied at 17-7. and seven. Texas State all alone, uh, two games back at 15-9. and nine. Louisiana and Georgia Southern uh, tied at 14-10. and 10. James Madison 12-10. and 10 benefiting from uh, the cancellations earlier in the year. And then here's a log jam. Troy and Old Dominion, 13-11. and 11. App State, 12-11. and 11. Georgia State and South Alabama, 11-13, and 13. which means, guys, this weekend, South Alabama is fighting for their postseason life at Eddie Stanky Field with Coastal coming in. And, and everybody listen to my voice. You better pull for the South Alabama Jaguars this weekend. Golden Eagles can, uh, can pick up several games on the Chanticleers if South Al does that. RPI, um, for today in the Sun Belt. Coastal at 11, Southern Miss at 23, Troy at 32. Texas State at 38, Old Dominion 69, Georgia Southern 71, Louisiana 76, James Madison 97, App State 100. Now right outside of that, Georgia State and South Alabama 104 and 105, which means 11 Sunbelt teams in the top 105, and the Sunbelt, as of today, the fifth-ranked RPI conference. Why that matters, and you guys can chip in, is I find it hard to believe, Kelly, as we went to commercial, that if the Sunbelt – is a top five conference that they only get two teams in. I, I just find that hard to believe. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I, I hear you, but, but because they've just been so good at beating each other up, you know, uh, we'll have to see how the, how the conference tournament plays its, itself out, too. I'll tell you the team that scares me heading down the home stretch, particularly because of the way they've been playing down the stretch, is Texas State. You know, the Eagles played them, I think, the very first series and lost that series right, right. At, at Texas State. The Bobcats kind of scare me heading down the stretch. Uh, the, the Cajuns don't. Um, and, and, and when Luke was talking about all Eagle fans should be Jag fans this weekend, you don't have to like it <laughs> being a right. Jag fan this right. weekend. But you do want them to win. <laughs> yes. If the tournament were held today, Luke, who would the Golden Eagles open up against? Uh, the Golden Eagles actually have a, a – so it runs like basketball. It's actually like a play-in because you've got ten teams. Right. Um, so the the bottom two teams would play, and then Southern Miss would probably have the lower of those two. So I, I would assume it would awesome. be like seven and ten, seven against ten, yes. and eight and nine. So as of today, it would be either South Alabama, Georgia State, or like Troy or ODU. Speaking of play-in games, the Lady Eagles softball team had to win. Uh, to get into the Sunbelt uh, Tournament, which begins this coming Wednesday, May 10th, and will run through Saturday, this coming Saturday, May 13th. And the first round will take place. Uh, the Lady Eagles are in one of those play-in uh, play games. They will face seventh-seeded 
Coastal Carolina. The Lady Eagles go in as the last seed, number 10. So it'll be 7, Coastal Carolina, against number 10, Southern Miss. They will play on Wednesday. The winner will advance to the quarterfinals on Thursday, and they will take on, should they win, they will take on the second-seeded Marshall Lady Thundering Herd. That will be on Thursday. All the action taking place in Lafayette, Louisiana, at Lamson Park. On... We can watch it. Where can we watch it? ESPN Plus, because we're in the Sun Belt Conference. That's right. right. Wonder who'll be favored in that tournament? The team that hasn't lost a conference series in twenty-seven years. <laughs> that would be Louisiana, <laughs> the number one seed. Marshall. They are uh, forty-three and thirteen, twenty-two and two in the conference. Guys, oh, Marshall right. is second, and guess who's third? South Alabama. How did you guess that, Bob? I didn't hold All up right, the uh, Coming up this week, we've uh, got visits with Blake Johnson, with Justin Storm, with Tate Parker. We think you'll enjoy all of those. We're working to get Eric Scott on the show this week. We've got a really special guest yesterday, a young woman that uh, helps with uh, baseball every weekend that I met over the weekend from London, England, of all places, attending Southern Miss. So uh, we're going to have a great uh, interview with her, I think, and, uh, and we're going to we're going to do some Mother's Day shopping a little later in the week with Melissa Sosher. We're going to give all you guys that listen to us every day some ideas on what to do on Mother's Day. I've, Make it a special. Mother's I've been Day. called a mother many times. <laughs> yes. Well, it's not that kind of Mother's Day. Uh, okay. Kelly. Okay. It's the, gotcha. other, it's the other type of Mother's <laughs> Okay. Day. Gotcha. Well, can you tell he's back, Luke? I, I can. <laughs> it's good to he's be back. back. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up for the day. I want to thank everybody for tuning in every day like you do. We really appreciate you more than you know. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Mill. To, to the, the top. top. Kids on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.